Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. This is Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am in Las Vegas. And alongside, I have Miles Custis. Hey, Miles. Hi, great to be here. And Steve DeWald. Oh, staying out of the heat in the AC, just where I like to be. Yeah, so my first question is, how is everybody hang- holding up? Well, I think Miles was the only one here during the actual earthquake. So do you and, and your story is so riveting. Why don't, why don't you tell us? <laughs> yeah, super riveting. I didn't feel it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have I wasn't in the game that Friday night. So I was just kind of hanging out It was my first time in summer league and my first time in Las Vegas. Um, and uh, my phone had actually died and I got it charging. And then I saw people asking like, hey, how are you doing? Checking in with everyone. Everyone's OK. And I, and I just thought they were being friendly because I didn't know anything had happened because I had never felt the earthquake. So I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I got here at four, you know, <laughs> doing well. And then I saw that, oh, there was an earthquake. That's probably why they're checking in on me. And But I felt better because I saw that RJ Barrett tweeted that he couldn't feel, he didn't feel it either. And he was actually on the floor when it happened. So I'm not alone there. <laughs> so what have your in- initial first impressions of the uh, Summer League experience been? It's been a lot of fun. It's just, it's a lot of basketball. Um, a lot of guys you don't know if you don't follow college super well. Um, but it's it's you get really close. I like seeing the games in the the Cox Pavilion because you can just sit, you know, a row behind the bench and just hear how the coaches interact. You can hear the players calling out defensive signals and and um, it's just a lot of fun. It's fun to see all the people around like Yao Ming just walked right by me the other day and it's like, oh, he's twice my height. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. We just heard that uh, Damian Lillard is eating lunch somewhere but we're gonna persevere through this podcast he's he's eating lunch at a burger bar is what we've heard by our esteemed sources uh, say yeah sources say our podcast uh technician here so but we're gonna stay here and we're gonna talk about the summer league blazers because they have some pretty big shoes to fill to in order to fulfill the dream of a return championship and you guys were both at game one not necessarily the start that people were looking for with the returning champions. So let's hear some impressions. Uh, Steve, do you want to start? Uh, I think with with this team, it, it comes down to communication and, and calling out defensive sets. Uh, this is something Coach Jim Moran's touched on, who, who's this head summer league head coach. He's moving up the bench with Nate David Vanderpool leaving to to Minnesota. But he talked about how just Anthony and Gary aren't necessarily natural vocal people. It's just not how they're built. So they're really pressing on them to start talking. And that was definitely evident in that first game. Their defensive rotations were super late. 
Detroit had a ton of open three-point shots, and it, it was just that league got away from them early, and they just didn't have the personnel to catch up. And they're also adapting to Jarnell Stokes being the center in the lineup when kind of I think everybody kind of thought Scal BCA was going to be here and going to be starting in the middle, which would completely change the dynamic of this team. So it, this first first game is it's these teams, the Blazers especially are communicating. Some of these teams have played in other summer league events before arriving here. So they have a little bit more chemistry before they show up. Yeah. That first game, it looked like a bunch of guys who had just met for the first time playing together, which to be fair, it kind of was, I mean, it's not like they've spent a lot of time together. I don't think there's that many returning players from last year's summer league team. Um, and yeah, the, the defensive rotations were off. The offense didn't seem to be in sync. And they, they fixed it for the next game for the most part. And I think something, too, that uh, Coach Moran touched on yesterday after the game was with some of these new college guys like Mike Dom, Jalen Horde, and Nasir Little, uh, he's used to using a professional nomenclature as far as calling out sets and everything. And some of these college guys, they just don't use the same vocabulary. And he said that he said that was on him yesterday, and he needs to do a better job of making sure these guys know don't just assume, you know, if you don't understand something, you need to ask. You need to ask me or Anthony or Gary, one of the returning players, someone who understands what's going on. And so they really, it sounds like they had a big film session yesterday uh, before the game against Houston and really just talked about expectations and what they mean by what they're calling out set wise. And, and it showed in the game against the Rockets, not to get ahead of ourselves. No, no, that's okay. I'm I'm looking forward to talking about the individual players, but let's first talk a little bit about you know the difference between game one and game two. What'd you guys see? I mean, it was a a night and day difference. You know, the defensive rotations were crisper. I mean, I think the the Rockets shot like thirty under thirty percent from three or so. Um, the offense was actually seemed to be running some plays, a little more passing, a little more ball movement, um, and then of course you know. Trent especially but both Trent and Simons their shots were going down which they just weren't too much in the first game I think there's a couple things here obviously the shots were going down Anthony can create space for his own shot anytime he wants and we've seen that at the professional level too uh, at the NBA level um the first game he's playing against Bruce Brown who's a legit NBA player very tough defensive player looks like he's groomed himself into becoming a point guard for the Pistons um in the second game, he's playing against guys that are probably not going to stick in the league and they're undersized. So that is a perfect recipe for both him and Gary to get into their three-point shots. Um, the game against the Jazz is going to be a, another interesting test. Uh, they, It'll be a little bit a better chance to see kind of in between the Pistons and that Rockets game of what really we can see tangibly. But communication on the defensive end was much better. Mike Dom, both of you guys talked about this in the recap. Uh, Mike Dom came in. He was the loudest guy in the gym along with his cheering section from South Dakota. So he was very loud. Also, Anthony did a much better job of, you know, at a few points was physically pushing guys into their spots for defense uh, in half court sets. So both those guys, I think, really heard the criticism from the coaching staff and, and responded. And both of them know that this is their team. And they and Coach Moran has said that multiple times. The, they own this team. They're, this is their summer league to put a stamp on things, and both these guys are going to be competing for minutes potentially. So they, it starts with being a good teammate and communicating. Yeah, let's go a little bit further into Anthony and Gary Trent Jr., and then also uh, be sure we touch on Naz Little because that's been fun to watch his summer league debut. 
when I watch Anthony Simons play, like I agree with you, he's really doing a lovely job of getting his own shots off. And with the Blazers talking about, you know, Seth Curry not returning and Anthony Simons getting more opportunities to uh, play those minutes, I assume that means also handle the ball a little bit. How are you seeing him and his ability to kind of run the floor? Or is that something that where you think we're really going to expect him to do? Or is it just like we want to see him, you know, be able to play, make a little bit more for others, not necessarily expecting a floor general? Yeah, if they're expecting him to sort of run the second unit during the season, he, he needs to work a lot on his passing. I mean, he can get to his shot and get a shot off really well. Um, but his his playmaking is just not there, at least this summer league, from what I've seen. I think he had one assist the first game and only two assists the second game. Um, and that was combined with six turnovers the second game. There were lots of times where a big would get a mismatch down in the post and he would have just, you know, get a good clean entry pass down to the post. We've got a good shot at getting a bucket there. And then he would not be able to get a clean look in and result in a turnover or give the defense time to collapse and, and fix the mismatch. So he definitely needs to improve in that area i don't know if stotts is going to have him run the offense much in this at this point um but again i don't know who the blazers have to run that second unit offense now without curry and without evan turner as well yeah unless they just they go i mean they they can go back to staggering yep. damon cj but that's still not a lot of other options for handling the ball if they get doubled or whatever yep hey it's something i touched on i think right after some of the free agency stuff started to roll out. I think we're going to see a lot of Rodney Hood on the second unit, a guy who can create for himself too. So you're not going to be so dependent on Anthony facilitating. Um, I agree with miles. He needs to work on his entry passes, but also I think summer league is not conducive to that type of pass. The spacing is always off here. It's not like NBA spacing and throwing an entry pass to Hassan Whiteside and throwing an entry pass to Jarnell Stokes are two very different things. Um, that that being said, you still would like to see him clean some of those things up. Some of the the force passes in transition, we saw that a couple times where I think you tried to thread the needle on a pass to Nasir Little, which if he makes that play, it's awesome. But the chances of completing that play are minimal, so you gotta you gotta minimize those risks. I think sometimes, um, I I agree with you. I think they're gonna stagger these lineups a lot, especially to start the year. I think. You're going to see Damon CJ on the court at all times, unless it's a blowout or a special circumstance, and they're going to be acting as the lead guards. And really, that that fits more of what Anthony does right now, as far as he can hit spot up shots or get the ball, couple dribbles, create space for himself, and and hit a shot. So I, I think he, he's got a long ways to go, but there's there. I, I think everything's progressing how I think they expect. I'm still giggling about what you said about spacing at summer league because it's so relative <laughs> spacing at summer league. It's like when I, sometimes when we're watching gyms uh, games, especially in the Cox pavilion, which is a small arena, I feel like is the floor actually smaller. Is the court actually, is it only 75 feet? Cause it's just, the spacing is so weird at summer league, but something else that's like relative at summer league is defense. So I don't know how much we can take from what we've seen defensively from any of the players, but do you want to touch briefly on anything about Anthony and his defense? I think Anthony's done well. I think he he's kept Bruce Brown in front of him in the first game. Yes, I mean, he Bruce Brown had a great game assist-wise, so that's not necessarily ideal. But I, I think he's... He had a a moment... I guess Miles, Miles talk about his defense in the post the other day because yeah, you, yeah, you was, commented on that. Yeah, there was a moment in the first game where I don't remember... If, if it was 
Brown or who was matched up on him, but the other guard tried to just back him down in the post, and he really held his ground strongly. I was impressed because, you know, he seemed like he maybe put on a little bit of weight or a little strength, uh, and he was able just to hold his own in the post and, um, you know, played some good defense there down low. That's going to be super critical for having more guys who can hold it down like that. Another, so, Amf, so sorry, Gary Trent Jr. had himself a game yesterday. That was really fun. And we were sitting close to Gary Trent Sr., who was loving it. <laughs> he was really enjoying uh, calling out to his son during that game. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen from Gary Trent Jr., especially as it applies to how we might see him used on the court in the season. Yeah, it's tough to extrapolate from summer league how people end up getting used on the court, but he was definitely on fire against Houston. And again, part of that might have been they had some undersized starting guards. You know, they were yeah. five nine and six yeah. foot, yeah. and so and which you know, I, to be fair, I was excited to see both Trent and Simons take them, take turns taking them in the post, and had a few nice post moves and a little fadeaway baseline jumper out of the post. Um, but yeah, Trent was just hitting shots every, I mean, he was seven for eight from downtown in yesterday's game. Um, he also was able to get in space and get some nice layups. And he did a, a solid job of kicking it out to someone when the defense collapsed on him, um, which Simons wasn't able to do much of yesterday. But again, defense is relative. Summer league is relative. Um, if he can if he can shoot seven for eight from three <laughs> consistently, then I think he'll be great. But uh, it regular NBA defenses will probably stop that a little better. I, I think this is Trent's a continuation of what he did at Duke and, and what we've seen him do in the G league last year and limited exposure. And when he did see time with the Blazers is he's not a guy who hesitates when he shoots. He's a guy, if he feels like he has the advantage on the perimeter or he has a window where he feels he can get a shot off, he's going to take it. And when he's in rhythm, he's going to have games like that. And, you know, you got there's always going to be a place in the NBA for guys like that off the bench. Now, can Gary Trent develop into a starter? That's yet to be seen. But I think he will always have a role as, you know, a spark guy off the bench. I mean, yeah, he has to do some other things a little better and, and continue to develop. But I think there's a lot of teams that may, might not have the depth in the backcourt that the Blazers have where if Gary Trent was in a different situation, he'd probably be playing regular minutes for sure next year. And I think he's still going to be a guy who's going to compete this year four minutes depending on how this team really envisions how they're going to use Kent Bazemore whether or not they're going to play him almost exclusively as a, as a small forward or at shooting guard be considering some of the departures that the Blazers have had yeah it was interesting to I don't know if I saw it as much in game one but in game two he uh they took turns bringing the ball up the court and I felt like watching Gary Trent Jr. he seemed a little bit more in command of you know, just sort of the floor. I'm not saying that he was, you know, taking control of, of the team or the game or anything, but I did see him a little bit more active in terms of, um, you know, making plays or, or looking for opportunities for other players. He still took all of his shots and everyone looked like it was going in <laughs> and it was awesome. But I did, I, I, and I liked seeing him, you know, act with a little bit more confidence also in terms of, you know, his non-shooting role. I think I touched on a little bit in the article that came out today, which would be stay Monday. Yeah, I'm in Vegas. I have no idea what day it is. Um, but it, it it was reminded me of kind of what Dame and CJ do. Now, granted, this is not a comparison to how they play, but just as far as deferring to the hot hand. Mm -hmm. And what I really liked about Trent is there's a time and a place. Like 
if you're shooting that many shots, you run a fine line of being, you know, killing possessions and being a ball hog. Or you're a guy who I'm obviously in the zone. I'm going to protect this lead. And he was the guy who made sure the Blazers kept their lead around double digits in the second half when things kind of started to had the potential to come off the rails in the third quarter. So that's that's something that I like seeing out of those two guys. And, And Anthony said after the game, you know, kind of jokingly once Gary makes sees two shots go in in a row it's over so it it was it was fun to see those guys and I think those two have a a great relationship yeah and I think you touched on it and I think as we see summer league play out the better they get at talking because like you said they they both like don't have very loud voices and I I just remember back in the day when Pat Connaughton would take over summer league and I was thinking about this yesterday because he would gesture with every part of his body and I realized like oh he's a baseball player he's making signals <laughs> I mean that was like super natural to Pat Connaughton because that's the kind of player that he was and I think these guys have yet to develop the like um, the ability to like call out and show people what they're supposed to be doing they're still at this point working on what they're supposed to be doing. So someone else who's learning um, is Naz Little. This is the the debut of him for the Portland Trailblazers. So what did you guys see from him? I really like his athleticism and his effort. I mean, it seems like he made some nice um, tip back dunk, a uh, nice cut off the baseline for a dunk. Uh, he seemed pretty raw offensively as far as creating his own shot, um, kind of uncertain and tentative, not knowing what to do with the ball. Um so he'll need to develop that. He did hit one three-pointer yesterday, which, again, he'll need to develop a good three-point shot if he's going to be a guy who can play rotation minutes and hang out on the baseline for open threes. Um, his defense is really, really solid. Uh, I don't think anyone who tried to go one-on-one against him in either game had much success. And, again, this is summer league, so we'll see if that can translate to to guarding regular NBA rotation players. But I really liked what I saw from him defensively and effort as well. He secured a few extra possessions from chasing down loose balls or tipping rebounds and then chasing those down. So a, a little bit mixed, but no, we'll see what he can provide. I, I'll start with defense because I have more nice things to say there. Uh, I think Little has always had a reputation of being a good on-ball defender, and I think that's a Vegas is a perfect platform for that. You're not going to see big, intricate sets with off-ball movement where players have a potential to get lost in summer league. And that's where Nasir Little struggled on defense at North Carolina. Here, you're looking at a lot of one-on-one situations, which he excels at. What is promising is, given his size and how he's played, I don't think there's any question that he's going to be able to play small forward and power forward eventually when he gets to the point where he's going to be playing for real minutes. Offensively, you almost have to start from the scratch. Like I think any points he generates are going to be hustle plays. Mm -hmm. Um, His spatial awareness is not ideal there was it's really it's it's crazy to watch him and Jalen Horde who is a two-way guy who Jalen Horde has such a better feel offensively and really you saw it I think there were about two possessions apart yesterday and there was one where Jalen Horde has the ball on the baseline and he sees that he has an opening back door goes right in finishes at the rim two possessions later Little's in the same situation pulls up his dribble and looks up and finds tries to find Horde cutting through the middle and turns the ball over. Like you just can't do that. Like you got, you have to know when you have a mismatch or when you have a clear lane and that that's all going to come with time. And it's, what's interesting to me is Terry Stotts 
is a lot less likely to play guys who make lapses on defense and and he will forgive lapses on offense and like little is like the textbook candidate to put that theory to the test because i think that he's like the polar opposite of that normal dynamic that terry stotts deals with so it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting player to watch how early he's actually gonna play and how he's gonna fit into this system and where he grows first on offense yeah, his decision-making when he has the ball definitely needs to improve. There was another moment in yesterday's game where he had a, a shorter guard switched onto him, and he started to go down into the post, and I was like, oh, this is great. He's going to be able to go right through this guy, at least draw a foul, maybe dunk over him. But instead he settled for a fadeaway jumper, and it clanked off the rim badly. And that's just you got to know the situation. you got a smaller guy on you, and you've got the athleticism and strength that little does. you got to go into him, through him, and above him. So, Steve, you mentioned oh, what also what I'll just add about Naz Little is that he's bigger than I thought that he was. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. So we're not going to have to wait for him, I don't think, to, um, you know, eat a lot of milkshakes out there because he's got um, he's got some weight. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, Anthony having some better success of, you know, moving guys off their spots. And I, it's it's fun to watch Little because mm-hmm. he's he comes in with that. So, but you uh, mentioned um, Horde. And so the next question is just about, you know, Summer League is about also falling in love with those players that are playing for a contract. I mean, he's, I guess, with the Blazers already. But, you know, Summer League is about finding those guys who are gems who you think, oh, maybe they could, you know, have a fantastic run. So talk about some of the other players and what you've enjoyed from the other guys on the Blazers roster. Oh, just to keep it with Horde, I think he's a guy I, I really liked. As a freshman going into Wake Forest, he was at the Nike Hoop Summit, a guy I watched him practice all week, uh, hard, works hard in practice, uh, a fluid athlete, great rebounder, great instincts, uh, can play multiple positions. He has kind of that multi-skill set that you see in a lot of European players. I mean, he grew up in France, and then he has the strength and conditioning of a traditional U.S. player by coming over and you know finishing high school and, and, doing a, and going to a college here in, in the States. Um, he, he's a lot better on offense than I thought he was going to be. I think he was in a really bad situation in Wake Forest. I was a terrible team last year and he was the primary focus and doing that to any player in the ACC is tough, let alone a freshman. Um, what's really impressed me with him is how quickly he can turn a rebound into a fast break. I've seen him grab the rebound, turn and bring the ball up the court and make the correct pass at least twice in both games. Um, I think he's a guy who he might – it'll be interesting how they navigate his contract. I don't think there's really a pathway to playing time this year. I, I would assume the Blazers are going to shore up some depth with another forward. But it'd be interesting to see if you know if he really impresses and he rebounds and he, and he shows he's versatile. You, you never know. Like I think Terry is so much of a guy who watches people in practice that he's a guy who, who could really – I think he could surprise some people. And I think right now he's, he looks like a more polished product than Nasir Little. Obviously, the ceiling isn't as high at all. But I, I think Horde is going to be a useful player. And I think it, potential to be a steal is an undrafted guy. Yeah, a couple of guys that uh, stuck out to me. Um, one would be Devin Robinson, um, especially in the first game. He was kind of the only bright spot in the first game. He ended up with 10 rebounds, 14 points. Um, he's tall thin but can just jump out of the gym he had a great great dunk in the first game where he pump faked under a defender and still got the dunk in um he's he's had some off the court 
issues. I think he was with Washington and a two-way contract or something last year. Uh, they decided not to keep him. Um, and he also can hit the three. He had a couple threes in last night's game. So, again, I don't know if he'll be on the roster, but he's been fun to watch in summer league. And the other guy was uh, Mike Daum, I believe. That's how you pronounce his last name. He's, I was looking forward to seeing him. He's a great scoring player out of South Dakota State. Um, I think he averaged 25 points or something in his senior year. He's a bigger guy, forward or center, but he hits the three well. Um, so I, I was looking forward to seeing him. He didn't play the first game, but then finally came in the second game. And it wasn't actually his offense that was that impressive. It was um, his defense and especially his communication on defense. We were sitting pretty close and we could hear, and he was far and away the most vocal, probably the most vocal player on either team, just calling out assignments, calling out for help. Um, and he had, like you alluded to earlier, Terry had his own little cheering section up in the stands. Yeah, Mike Dom was fun and he he did. He really made an impact because the Blazers were they were, you know, they were doing fine, but they weren't super organized and then as soon as he came in on defense, he really started uh talking a lot and there was that there was a fun lineup that had all of the the guys, the major players that the Blazers have, but who was playing this, oh, and it was Robinson who, yeah. So it was, it was Simons, Trent Jr., Little, Horde, and uh, Robinson. And that was a really fun lineup. And they got some stuff done. They really um, put Houston on their heels. I enjoyed Robinson too. He is fun to watch. He is, he is so thin. And then he has short shorts. So he looks even thinner. But he's, you know, he doesn't get pushed around. He, he really, you know, holds his own in there. So he's been fun to watch. I agree. Dom has been fun to watch. I'm still waiting for Bruce Hornsby's son to come on. Cause I really want to get some Hornsby time, but that hasn't happened yet. But you know, summer league is, is still young. Uh, you know, one of the other fun things about summer league is just the other people who are there. And at yesterday's game, Stotts was there looking very relaxed, <laughs> very summer league Stotts. And he was sitting next to Zach Collins and his family. He was there with his mom and his dad. Myers Leonard also was here. So I want to talk a little bit about Myers Leonard because I thought it was very nice that he Myers came over and talked with the fan. Like he sat in the sa- in the fan section with the Portland fans for about a quarter of that game. And uh, people were coming up to him saying goodbye. I know I said goodbye. And it was like, I got a little verklempt about it because it was like, he's been with this team. He's been with this team for a long time and whatever anybody, you know, wants to say about, you know, uh, his on-court production, which we know, you know, was a, a journey. Uh, he was, you know, Damian Lillard's guy for, you know, they have been friends and they have been, you know, uh, close this entire time. So it was nice that he showed up and people got to say goodbye. Yeah, I was really happy to see Myers there. The Miami Heat played the game before Portland. So he was sitting courtside for, I think, all of that game. And then he stuck around for the Blazer game and, and chatted with Collins and Stotts for a bit. And then, like you said, came over and he, he interacted with the fans. He was taking pictures with them, with Portland fans and, and signing stuff. And that was good to see. I mean, I know he taken some heat from Blazer fans for his contract versus his production, but, you know, he didn't offer himself that contract, so you can't blame him for that. And it just he seems like a, an all-around real nice guy and a good dude, and I hope he does well in Miami. Hey, before he went over to the fan section, he went and sat in the media row with us over just with all the Portland media kind of all clustered together and just sat and talked with 
everybody there and it was kind of, I mean, he comes over and his icebreaker is like, oh, I haven't seen you guys in a while. And then like, I mean, he kind of acknowledged it. You know, this is a weird situation, something he's never gone through. I mean, he's never played for an organization as a professional. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. I, I wish him well. I, I'm, I am happy his career in Portland lasted long enough to get the send off that he did. Um, that, that was huge. Uh, I think he has, he has a real chance to to carve out a role in in Miami, and, and I think he it's a fresh start. He probably needed two years ago, but but I'm excited for him now. Better late than never. Um, just getting real back to the Collins family. It, it was cool to see them show up because the Heat played the game before, so Kelly Olynyk was at the sideline. So you had Kelly Olynyk. Zach Collins in there, and then on the Rockets team was Jonathan Williams. So you had three Gonzaga guys there, and you could tell like the Collins family, like they they knew all those kids, like Colin, Mom Collins, Dad Collins, giving Jonathan Williams hugs, talking to Kelly Olynyk, and just seeing all those guys together. And me growing up on the east side of Oregon, like Gonzaga was kind of the first team you really I followed and watched every game, and it was cool to see how the that were that that school and that program is so tight knit and it, it's cool to see how all those guys still have that connection and that brotherhood and fraternity that they carry on into the next level. So it, it was fun. It, and that's just the little things that you pick up on when you come to summer league, like with what this question started with, like you just see all those small interactions and everybody's so relaxed here. Like, and people just, you can talk to anybody here. Like as long as you handle yourself professionally and, like, I mean, obviously, everybody's heard my Zach Lowe story now. So I uh, don't try to talk to your favorite writer when he's at the urinal. So that's just pro tip. I'm going to make sure I remind everybody every year. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to worry about that. You never know, Tara. You never know. <laughs> it was funny when uh, Collins and when Collins and Myers were standing there talking. There was another like super tall guy. And I was like trying to figure like as tall, it, almost as tall as them. And I was trying to figure out who it was. And he looked a little bit like Chris Kamen because he had like a big bushy beard. And then I realized it was Zach Collins's dad. He is a big guy. He is a really tall, really tall guy. But yeah, little, little things like that are fun to just kind of, kind of pick up on. So it's Monday. Blazers have uh, another game tomorrow. So we're going to go enjoy the rest of the day, go catch some other games. You guys have any ones on the docket you're especially interested in today? I want to check out the Celtics and see Taco and his height. That should be fun. The crowd here loves Taco Fall. That This Celtics team, I think, has become the, the summer league team of 2019 because not only do you have, like, just seeing as someone the size of Taco Fall is just like jarring. <laughs> like, and then like you're already around these really tall athletes and summer league allows you to get very close to everybody. And then you see someone who dwarfs those people. It's, it's just, a, it just, it's it plays tricks on your eyes. And then uh, they have Carson Edwards too, who's the guard out of Purdue that has like carried over his production from the NCAA tournament to this, where he was just lighting things up in the game I watched. So they're definitely a, a fun team to watch. The team I'm excited to watch today is the Pelicans. So just the NBA really needs to fix this. Uh, some of you guys are aware when these trades go through, some of these guys that did get drafted by the Pelicans, they're technically not on the team that they got drafted by because of a draft night trade. So I believe today will be the first day that Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker will be playing for the Pelicans, which are two guys that I liked, I liked in the draft. I'm excited to see how they look today. 
So we were just hanging out with some writers from the Bird Rights, which is our sister site for the the Pelicans. And one of the things that I like about being down here too is just the, our chance to talk to other fans and find out kind of like what they're going through. And you know, I the one of the things that we're going to try to do for y'all uh, for the listeners is just have some short conversations with some of the people from the other fan bases because I think it's real interesting to get their perspective on what their off season is like. We spend a lot of time just you know picking at all the things that the Blazers did. I think it's always fascinating to find out what people think about the others. And just in case you're curious, I think I've been asked how I feel about Whiteside at least once every hour when I'm in the arena by every, any writer I've, I've met along the way. They're just like, oh, what do you think about Whiteside? And I, I think I have the same canned answer, which I'll probably put into a, an article one of these days. <laughs> yeah, we're going to tra- try to track down some people from Miami to definitely find out what they think about Whiteside. Uh, spoiler, it's not going to be good. <laughs> well, we heard that about Nurkic, too, so we can we can always hope. All right, any, any last words, or should we go ahead and uh, call it a podcast? I'm getting nods. Yeah, thanks. This was fun. It's been fun to be here at uh, Summer League. All right. Well, thanks. And we will uh, talk to you, you all. Oh, wait. Before we go, tell people where they can find you if they want to find your Summer League content and other stuff that you're working on. Right. I'm Miles Custis, so you can find my articles on Blazer's Edge, um, or you can find me on Twitter at Miles Custis. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I'm on Blazer's Edge way too much. So you can find most of my work there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve D Hoops. All right. Thanks to you guys for being here. Uh, It's been really fun hanging out with you guys. We had an adventure in a lift last night. (laughs) We checked out a new part of town that we didn't know (laughs) existed. If your lift driver says, don't go there, I know the perfect 24-hour Asian food market. You listened to your Lyft driver. That's great. It and turned it w- out good, but I have to say that I felt much better because I was with you two. If like, I had been by myself, I'm not quite sure I would have been as into it, but it was, it was, it's been fun hanging out with you guys. So you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs and you can find my work on Blazer's Edge. Don't forget to find Blazer's Edge on whatever podcast uh, app you use and sign up for that. And we will be back with you later. <laughs>